He is the voice of truth. We've been reading what the Scripture has to say about the Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus called the Spirit of Truth. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 16. We have been reading in the last couple of weeks, the last, well, it's a little more than the last couple of weeks, the last few weeks, we've been reading through these last chapters of, of John, chapters 14, 15, 16, which are, are the, a, a record of the last things Jesus told his disciples before he was arrested. What was most important, what was on his heart, what he wanted them to understand before he left them. Now we read on Easter, uh, we read the story of the resurrection. And then we read from chapter 20 how Jesus came on that very first Easter in the evening to his disciples. And he was meeting with them. And he had words to say to them. They were so confused. Can you imagine what it was like that day? I can't even imagine how I would have felt if I had been there through all of those events. It would have been confusing. But this is what Jesus said. He said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Everyone who's a disciple of Jesus Christ has a mission. They're on a mission. Christ's mission has become our mission. You are to go out with the good news and change the world. Are you ready? Do you feel like, oh, I could change the world? A lot of times we, and these disciples, it's like, we can't do that. How could we possibly? I mean, look at us. We mess things up so often. We don't get things right. How could we possibly change the world? How could we fulfill Christ's mission, carry it on? Well, he knew we couldn't. That's why after he said, as I have been sent, so I'm sending you, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, God in us, does in us and through us what we can never do for ourselves. What we can't do just because we decide we're going to do something. He is the one who makes all the difference for us. And so, since he says receive the Holy Spirit, we are reading these chapters to see what he has to say to us about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to begin at verse 1 of chapter 16. And this is what the Scripture says. Jesus is talking to his disciples just a few hours before he's arrested. And he says, All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. 
But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Let's stop there. We'll, we'll pick it up at that spot in just a minute. So, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, we're jumping in. We're getting toward the end of what he had to say. So, so we're jumping right into the final comments of what he, he, he's going to say to his disciples. Already, he has told them that the Spirit of Truth, this comforter, this counselor, this advocate, this ally is coming and he is going to fill their lives. He has told them that he's the source of life, just as the vine is the source of life for the branches in the grapevine. And so the branches must rely on him, remain in him, abide in him. So we must remain and abide in Christ so that his spirit flows into us and nourishes us and gives us all that we need. Because if we're separated from him, we'll do the very same things that a grapevine separated from the, the, the main trunk will do. We will shrivel and die. So we've, we've been through all of that, and now we come to these verses. He's telling them he's going away. He is. He's about to be crucified. They're about to be devastated. They are clueless. Not because he hadn't told them. It's just they can't figure it all out. What's he talking about? So they're about to be devastated. (coughs) And he tells them, don't be alarmed. Don't be upset. I'm sending you the Spirit. You think you would be better off if I stayed here with you. Have you ever thought that? You know, Jesus, it'd be a whole lot easier to figure this out, to know what you want. If you'd just sit down in this chair beside me and tell me so I could hear you. It would be a lot easier to believe in the midst of this trouble I'm going through if I could see you, Jesus. Have you ever thought things like that? I've thought things like that before. And Jesus says, no, you wouldn't be better off. Because when I'm here as a human being, I'm only in one spot at a time. And sometimes I'm not with you. But the spirit of truth, this comforter, this counselor, this advocate, the very spirit of God, my spirit, Jesus says, he's not only going to be with you, he will be in you. At all times, you will be connected with God. He won't be far away. He'll be there giving you wisdom and strength and help. Whatever it is that your challenge is for that time, 
He will be with you. You're going to be better off because I leave. So, if you have ever thought you'd be better off if he was right here where you could see him and touch him, just think how, how good you really are after all. So if it hadn't seemed that way, then there's just something about the Holy Spirit you need to still learn about and you need to experience because he is the Spirit of Christ in us. Very literally in us and with us. So he says, if I go away, this counselor, this advocate, this comforter, this ally, the divine presence will be with you and in you. And then he says that when he comes, he's going to hold court. There's going to be some judgment coming down. Well, how do you feel about the judgment of God? A lot of people say, let's move on to the next topic. We don't want to hear about judgment. We don't like judgment. Kind of scary. We don't want to think about judgment. But that's not the way it was in the Bible times. Most of the time, in the Bible times, the people would say, oh, God, bring your judgment. Why would they say that? You and I, we think we we have sinned. We get what we deserve, we're in trouble. That is absolutely correct. If we get what we deserve, we are everyone in trouble. We don't have to get what we deserve, though. God doesn't want to give us what we deserve. He wants to give us mercy and grace. And in the Bible times, the people would say, Oh, God, this world is full of oppression and oppressors. There's all kinds of chaos and destruction and evil. And I'm just tired of it, God. Bring your judgment. Set things right. Fix everything. End the oppression. Set the prisoners free. Make there be peace. So, in the book of Psalms, you can read it numerous times. The people are praying. And they say, Oh, God, bring your judgment. Because with his judgment comes his kingdom. I'll just tell you. This time of year, the trees bloom. And I sneeze and cough. So I'll try to make it through. I better get another one of these out. I'll try to make it through with as little coughing as, as possible today. So we're talking about his judgment. And he says, so he's going to bring judgment. Now let's look at the kind of judgment he's going to bring. It says, he will convict the world of guilt. Convict the world. What does that mean? Well, in the Gospel of John, whenever he talks about the world, he's talking about all of the people who do not trust Jesus. All of the people who say, I'm going to run my own life, I'm going to be sovereign. Because remember, that is the only other option besides trusting Jesus. You can trust your life to Jesus, the Creator, the Son of God, the Sovereign of the universe, who loves you and cares for you. Or whatever you call it, however you describe it, You can rebel and say, I'm going to run my own life and do my own thing. There are only two options. 
And so when he talks about the world, he's talking about all who rebel. All who rebel. When he talks about sin right here, he says he's going to convict the world of guilt in regard to sin because men do not believe in me. Now, a lot of us, when we think of sin, we start thinking about a list of rules. How well have I kept the rules? How well have I behaved? You know, have I been naughty or nice? And so we say, oh, well, you want to be honest about it? And when we look at our lives, we say, I haven't kept the rules very well. Some of us, just because it's rules, well, you know, rules, I want freedom, so we just rebel against the rules. But when Jesus is talking about sin here, he tells us what he's talking about. He's not talking about, have you been naughty or nice? Have you been good or bad? He says, have you trusted me or not? Have you believed in me or not? Because at the root of sin... At the root of evil, at the very bottom, where it all comes out of us, the reason even when we try, we don't keep the rules, it's because we are rebels in our hearts. We rebel against God. We don't want there to be a God who is sovereign over us. We want to choose our own way. And so here, he's, he talks about sin... Because the people do not believe in him, do not trust him, do not accept him as their sovereign. So you see, human beings were not created to be sovereigns, to be rulers. We were created to depend upon God and trust him and let him be sovereign and ruler. That's just reality. But we don't like that reality, so we have rebelled against it. There's a difference. Behavior behavior just doesn't describe the whole thing Jesus is talking about when he talks about sin. If all you try to attack is the behaviors, you're never going to succeed. What we need is for the rebellion to be transformed, for us to be set free from the rebellion, and then... Guess what happens? The behavior becomes different. Because we are filled with the Spirit, the Spirit He's promising. We listen to Him. He is sovereign. We say, oh, I trust you. You are the Spirit of truth. But here's our problem. When we are tempted, a lot of times we look at the temptation and we say, that looks really good. And the Spirit of Truth says, no, it is not. And we say, you're wrong. It is too good. Have you ever seen, did you see the movie The Help? You see The Help? Some of you did. If you didn't, you won't know what I'm talking about. And in first service when I was talking about this, I slipped into my southern talk. It is my first language. I had to learn a different language to come talk to you guys. And so if I do that, it's just, I can't help myself sometimes. It is my first language. So The Help, I found it to be a very interesting movie. 
Uh, there were good parts. There were parts that weren't so good. But, but I found it very interesting because it reminded me of when I was a kid where I grew up. Um, it was a very, very different down south um, in those days. And first, there weren't many places for any woman to find employment. And if a woman was an African-American, she probably had only one option. And that was to be a domestic, to be a maid. And so this is the story. The movie is the story about this group of domestics and how they are treated by their white bosses. And they're not treated well. Uh, that's putting it mildly. There was one woman, one, one lady who was especially obnoxious. You are not supposed to like her. And she treated her help just despicably. Her help was famous. This lady was famous for her chocolate pies. You remember the chocolate pie? Some of you saw the movie. I can tell. Yes. So after she had been more perfectly despicable than normal even, her maid decided to make her a chocolate pie. Because this woman loved her chocolate pie. So she's sitting there eating the chocolate pie. Now there was an extra ingredient. And so as this woman is just enjoying the chocolate pie and being obnoxious to, to her maid, her maid informs her that there's an extra ingredient. Human excrement. Now, why do I tell you that story here in church? That wasn't very nice, was it? <laughs> it's because of this. That chocolate pie looked good. It evidently even still tasted good. Sin can look good. Temptation, it always looks good. Do you think you would want to chase after some temptation if it looked bad? It looks good, but it's not what it looks like. It's like that chocolate pie. And the Spirit of Truth is over here telling you there's something else in that pie. And you say, it looks good to me. I don't believe you, Spirit of Truth. I think I'll have a piece of pie. And he's saying, don't go near that pie. And we don't listen to him. And we eat that despicable stuff. It's whatever temptation is. Temptation is never chocolate pie. Ever. It may look like it, but it is destruction and disease and stuff you would never choose for yourself. But it's disguised. And you decide, 
I decide I'm not going to listen to the spirit of truth who is trying to warn me and keep me out of trouble. So I eat the pie and I get sick. It's what always happens with sin. So the next time you're being tempted, I want you to think about that chocolate pie, okay? Because it's not, it's not what it looks like. It is a lie. Temptation is always a lie. And the reason God says don't is because he sees the truth. He knows what's there. He says don't because he loves you. He's trying to rescue you. Some of us, we could get out a piece of paper and we could write a really long list of all the destruction that's been a part of our lives because we ate the pie. So let's not eat any more of that pie, okay? Let's trust the sovereign Lord who loves us who's trying to take care of us, who wants to protect us from all that destruction. So he tells us the truth. Jesus, in these verses, calls him the spirit of truth. Now, some people say, well, that's fine. You go to church, that's your truth. I have my truth. No, that's not the way it is. Truth is real reality. Truth is not an opinion. Now, you do have your opinions. I have my opinions, and our opinions may not always be the same opinion. But let me tell you, there is only one reality. And the Gospel of John tells us that the Son of God is the one who created the reality, so he knows what he created, so he knows what's real. He knows what's true, what's really real. And so his spirit is the spirit of truth. He knows what's real. You may be deceived. I may be deceived, but he knows what's real. And he says, of course you may be deceived. Human beings are just confused. They chose rebellion and darkness, and they need the spirit of truth to give them light and understanding. So he says, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth, my spirit. He will be not just with you, but he will be in you, giving you truth. Have you ever faced something, some challenge, some decision, some big deal, and you say, I haven't got a clue what to do? Someone this week asked me, what shall I do? I have no idea. But the spirit of truth knows exactly what to do. And Jesus said, he's your ally, your counselor. Your comforter, your advocate, receive him. Listen to him. He wants to lead you into all truth, which means all of what is really reality. Out of the confusion and the deception that we live in so very much of the time. He says, I, he doesn't want you there. Come on out. Receive the Holy Spirit, he tells his disciples. You will see that everything is very, very different. If instead of trying to handle life and your problems and everything all on your own, you 
say, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm trusting in him, not in my own ability to figure out life. So, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, help me hear you right now. What would you do? What do you want said? What do you want done? I don't know how to handle this. And he says, of course you don't. He doesn't say, you're so stupid. He never says that. He says, of course you don't. But I have all wisdom to give to you. So just listen. It may look a little odd to you. That's just because your mind's been in confusion. You just listen because I'm going to lead you into truth. And I will lead you into wisdom. So he's going to convict the world of sin because we don't believe in him. We don't trust him. We say, no, you're not truth. Truth is chocolate pie. And we are very, very wrong when we do that. And so he says, he's going to convict the world of sin. He says, he's going to convict the world of guilt because of righteousness. Justice. Now, of course, the the Bible was not written in English. And the word that is used for righteousness is the very same word that is used for justice. Righteousness, justice, because what it means is rightness. What is the way things were created to be? Because they were all created. And what did God say after everything had been created? It is very... Good, very right. It's the way it should be. And so that's what righteousness is. That's what justice is. He says, it's going to convict the world of guilt because I am going to the Father. You see, the next few days showed who was right and who was true. Oh, yeah, Friday, it looked like Jesus had made a big mistake. That's because people could not see what was really happening. But by Sunday, everything looked different. They were trying to figure out what to do with all this stuff because it didn't fit their view of reality. Not any of them, not even the disciples. What happened on that resurrection day changed everything. And God raised his son from the dead and he exalted him on high where he is the sovereign of the universe, the ruler of all. He is righteousness. So it's very clear who is righteousness. He is the source of righteousness. He is the source of justice. He is the one who declares what is right because he's the one who made things right. He's the one who declares what is just. Not any constitution, Not any president or congress. Not any gathering of academics or scientists. It is the Son of God who proclaims what is righteous and what is just. He says he will convict the world of guilt in regard to judgment, condemnation, because the prince of this world stands condemned. You see, the Bible's very clear. There is 
an accuser who is a liar. Earlier in the Gospel of John, we read those verses. It's been weeks and months ago now where it says that the accuser is the father of lies. He's the one who gives you pie and says it's chocolate when it's not. And he says he has been condemned. In fact, Christ triumphed over him on the cross. His power is broken. The truth is available to you. The only power he has is lies. And if you know the truth, if you trust the truth, if you trust the spirit of truth, then he has no power over you because what power do lies have over someone who lives with truth? None at all. And so he has been condemned. His power has been broken. You have not been condemned. Remember what the scripture says? Romans 8, chapter 1. Therefore, for those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Now, it doesn't mean you've lived and made all the right choices and gotten everything right and you've never done the wrong thing. Yes, you have. Of course you have. We, everyone, have. But if we are in Christ, if we have trusted him, if we said, okay, I did the rebellion, but I'm not going to be a rebel anymore. I'm going to trust you. You are sovereign. And instead of getting the condemnation we deserve, we are forgiven. We are set free. He gives himself to us. He lives in us. His spirit, the spirit of truth. He loves us. We're set free from the error, the lie of trying to be sovereigns for ourselves. Well, let's read the next few verses here. We're we're down to verse 12. Where he says, I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. That is the truth. Do you know this sermon? I started preaching it last night to the group that comes on Saturday night. I found out it's way too long. If I preached the whole thing, we'd probably be here till one. I figured some of you'd stand up and start walking out when I said that. So I found out last night I can't preach the whole thing. But that's just the way the word of God is. There is so much there. We can't, you can read through, you can read through this. Jesus is looking at these guys. They've been with him for three years already. And he's looking at them and he's talking about the Holy Spirit and he says, you're getting about that much of what I'm saying. But he says, that's okay. Because when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to teach them. Today, today, where they are in their life, what they have learned, how they have surrendered their lives to, to me, they can receive that much of it. But in the future, the Holy Spirit's going to remind them of what I've said, and they will understand more and more and more. And every time we come back and we read these words of Jesus, we say, oh, oh, 
And there's more and more and more there. So if you say, oh, there's so much of this, I just don't get. Relax. That's just the way it is. But his spirit teaches us more and more. The more you listen to him, the more you allow him to teach you, the more and more you will understand. Did you ever try to learn a foreign language? I know for some of you, English is a foreign language. So yes, some of you I know have. So you're going through, you've got you to get one of these Regents diplomas, so you've got to pass some tests to get a Regents diploma in high school. And so you take a foreign language. What did you learn the first day in class? The whole language? Did you leave saying, oh, now I can speak French. I can speak Spanish. Hola. That's about all you learned the first day. But by the time you'd taken three or four years of Spanish, it was very different. Or three or four years of French or whichever language you studied. It's because each day you understood a little more. And that's the way this is. He says, you're not getting it, guys. I can tell. You're just not getting it. But it's okay. Because my spirit is going to be with you. And he's going to remind you. And he's going to explain it to you. And you're going to understand more and more as you listen and learn from him day after day after day. So he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. How's that sound? All truth, not just a bunch of truth. All truth. You'll be able to live rather well, I think. You'll be able to handle and live through your challenges rather well if you have all truth, don't you think? Your understanding will be amazing. That's what he's going to do. He's going to guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Did, did you hear what, what he just said? He's the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of real reality. He knows what's real he knows how things really are. He's deception-free, confusion-free. And he's going to come to us. And he's going to give to us truth, all truth, so that we can live deception-free and without confusion. He's going to guide us out of deception into real reality, into the truth. And he takes what belongs to Jesus. And Jesus says, all the Father has is mine. And he gives it to you. What 
does that involve? Isn't that amazing? That is what the Spirit gives to us. When we trust Him, when we turn away from the temptation of self-life, self-sovereignty, self-rule, and say, you are my sovereign Lord, I trust you. I, I will trust you. You guide me. You speak. You teach. Fill me with your presence. I will cooperate with what you want. You're the spirit of truth. And he says, he will give to you. He will give to you from the Father. He will give to you from me. And the Father has given me everything. So, you're in, you're going to be in a really good place. Just trust me. Believe in me, he says. To his disciples, he says, Receive the Spirit. And so he offers to us the Spirit. We're going to pray. I don't know how the, how the Spirit of God has spoken to you as we've looked at these words of Jesus. But while I'm praying, you talk to him about whatever he said to you. And trust him. He's the spirit of truth, of real reality. No confusion, no darkness, no deception. Just truth. Let's pray. Father, we have lived in deception, confusion, and darkness. We know all about it. We have lived there because we have chosen that. We have chosen to be rebels. We admit it. We have wanted to be in control, in charge, to run our own life, to make our own plans. We did not want you to be sovereign for us. But your Son came and showed us your love and we see, we see the truth that your sovereignty is better than anything we could ever come up with. For you love us. And so we ask, Father, would you help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see what your Spirit is doing and saying? Would you help us to trust in your Son so that we will receive the Spirit? We will be filled with your presence. We will hear your voice guiding us. We will, instead of our confusion, experience your truth and your direction for us. Freedom from all of those chains, those destructive things, the darkness that bound us. And instead of confusion, have your peace. 
we give to you all of our challenges. A lot of them are way bigger than what we are. We have no idea what to do. But you do. So we trust you. Fill us with your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well.